This is the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Howdy, 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 friends. I am calling on the posse to mount up and ride. I need you to go to centennialaction.com, centennialaction.com. There's an effort right now to legalize marijuana at the national level. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a second, but you can send a petition there to Michael Bennett, John Hickenlooper, in fact, any senator anywhere over across the United States, you can send, we've, we've written it for you. You can see what this Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act would do and how this is going to affect uh, really the country as, it, as we deal with these drug problems. We have a serious drug problem because we have elected officials that have one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake. They have really, they have no idea what they're doing. That, that's the bottom line. Uh, my name is Jeff Hunt. I'm the chief wagon boss of this operation. In studio with us is one of the brightest minds, in my opinion, when it comes to uh, the drug culture we're facing in this nation. You've seen him on Fox. He's done debates. He was just at Liberty Fest recently uh, debating over there. Luke uh, Niferatis of Smart Approaches to Marijuana. He's the executive vice president, and it, it, he gets it. And that's important for people to understand. We're dealing with a much broader cultural issue. And I've personally dealt with it. I, I smoked marijuana when I was in late middle school, early high school. It killed my grades. I was a good student. I got into marijuana, especially first two years of high school. And I watched my grades plummet. I mean, because my short-term memory was gone. I, I could read something and then forget what I read. Just that parent. I, I specifically remember this not being able to read a book because I would forget what I was reading. You, you can't follow a book, train a thought, if you forget what you just read, the previous paragraph. And so my grades went down. I uh, lost my very best friend to a drug overdose. Uh, and we grew up in a very nice part of Colorado. So this is not just, you know, kind of math out in rural parts. Uh, we grew up, we had all the resources we needed. And uh, he ended up dying uh, as a result of drugs. And and so I'm very passionate about this because I see what it does to our culture. And our elected officials are not willing to stand strong and say, we are going to go after these drug producers, whether they're com legitimate commercialized drug operations these days or illegitimate ones. And there's cartels. And that's something I want to talk with Luke about now, because one of the promises in 2012 was we we're going to get rid of the black market if we just commercialize marijuana. California made those same promises. California can't deal with it, it, it's the black market is so big. Black market marijuana is so big in California right now. They have no idea what to do. In fact, they have to subsidize. The government is now subsidizing legal marijuana operations because they can't deal with the black market. That's right. So, Luke, tell us what is going on with some of these black market issues? Yeah, well, and, and it's just kind of crazy because that was one of the biggest promises was, you know, look, a lot of people voted. They said, look, I don't want my kid using marijuana. I don't want anybody to use it or see it sold. But I would rather if somebody's going to get it, them not get it from the cartels or the drug dealers. And so I've heard that a lot. Um, I wish that, you know, it sounds intuitively nice, but it just doesn't play out in practice. So you look at California and this isn't the only example, but California's just been in the news lately about it. 80% of all the marijuana sold and consumed in California is from the black market. And they have 
thousands and thousands of quote unquote legal pot shops out there. So people are choosing the black market. And the reason why is because it's cheaper because there's no taxes on the black market. Um, and so the industry went to the state, said, look, you need to get rid of all the taxes so we can compete with the drug dealers, literally. And California went along with it, which I wish I could say I was surprised about. So they just eliminated all their excise taxes on marijuana, completely defeating the whole purpose of legalizing it because the whole point was to tax and regulate, which this industry promised us they wanted to do was be taxed and regulated. So no tax revenues coming from this product. So there's no offset for all their negative externalities. And you have all these cartels that have now set up shop with massive illegal marijuana grows across the state of California. They've literally called. So Gavin Newsom, first of all, went on the record to the New York Times and he said the black market has gotten worse, not better since we legalized it. And then he called in the National Guard to help him fight with the cartels. So it's almost like a war out there with the cartels and the illegal pot grows in California. And, you know, you may say, oh, well, you know, California is an extreme example. Uh, Colorado, 50% of our market is on the black market. Really? 50%. 50%. 5-0. You look at Oregon, 70% is on the black market. So the, the legal market is being completely outdone by the illegal market everywhere that you look across this country. And we've talked with law enforcement here in the state of Colorado about this because they can, it's confusing, right? So initially, you could have 99 plants, right? So this is the way it worked in Colorado. Each individual person could grow up to 99 plants. But if I've got an elderly father, I could grow for him too. So now you've got 180 plants in your house. And then they tried to reform that and deal with that. But law enforcement doesn't know if they're going by someone's house, if that's legal, illegal, we don't know all that. And then if you have a cartel operating out in rural parts of Colorado, these are not big police forces with SWAT brigades and uh, big right. operations to go take these down. So their, their hands are tied. Well, Jeff, I thought police were supposed to be spending their time on the real crimes and <laughs> not dealing with marijuana anymore like we were promised. So why should they need to do this, Jeff? Yeah. It, yeah. It's just crazy to me. And so, you know, we need more resources from law enforcement, not less, to deal with all of the stuff you just described. And when you talk about a massive uh, marijuana grow, just one, the amount of work and resources it takes to incinerate that illegal product, to identify it, to, you know, deal with heavily armed cartels that are literally set up in the suburbs of Colorado, Lakewood, Littleton, Aurora, um, they're everywhere and they're they're buying gutting houses. So, you know, are is law enforcement going, going to go into every single person's backyard and figure out if it's legal or not legal? I mean, we've put them in an impossible situation. And again, the promise was that this was going to be legal. Everything was going to be simple. Law enforcement could move on to other crimes. And instead, here they are having to clean up this mess day in and day out. Law enforcement has said that they buy up blocks of houses. They gut them. They run grows inside them. They tap into the electrical lines. So they're stealing electricity. And a lot of these are foreign-based cartels, too, from China, yep. from Cuba, uh, operations like that. Right in Colorado. Yep. So all over. It, I mean, it didn't do anything. It actually made it worse. It actually made it better uh, for the dealers and the cartels yeah. because they have the cover of legalization. Um, and it's really interesting. You hear a lot about this uh, federal bill called the Safe Banking Act. And Perlmutter, who's uh, thankfully on his way out, has been really championing that. For some reason, he really wants banking for drugs. But the Safe Banking Act is one of the top priorities for these illegal syndicates because they're using the illegal marijuana grows and uh, illicit pot shops that they've set up as cover under legalization 
election, and they're trying to backdoor into the financial system right now. And so my congressman, uh, Ken Buck, is totally opposed to this for that reason, because the cartels are looking to get right into our financial system if we were to allow a bill like that to pass. Well, and he's prosecuted these people before. You yes. Know? And that was the thing when we were dealing with legalization is like, I, I remember saying, we're not dealing with like dentists that just, gosh, you know, they're really nice people. If they just had the opportunity to legally perform their product, they everything's going to be fine. These are people that already chose to operate illegally, and now we're providing cover for them. Yeah. Well, and Jeff, I'll just say this. You know, I was at a, a discussion the other night. Everyone's talking about crime, and somebody brought up the fact that drugs are linked with crime. And I kind of took it for granted that everybody knows that. But, you know, we've made policy decisions in this state that have increased the usage and promotion of drug use. And over those 10 years in which we've made those decisions, we've seen our crime rate rise to exponential, uh, pers- uh, it rise exponentially. And we're one of the top states in the country for property crime, for violent crime. And why is that? Well, the cartels didn't just come here because it's a beautiful state with mountains. Um, there are things here that are make it conducive for cartels to set up shop. One of them is marijuana legalization. The other is the fact that we defelonized all drugs a couple years ago. So it's very easy to move these fentanyl and other drugs uh, over our borders and through our state um, and pass it off as something that's just simple possession. The one kind of bright light that they all tried to promote was the idea that we were going to get tax revenue off of this and that we were going to fund schools. Now, it's been a few years, but there was a great line from the uh, the um, head of the Cherry Creek School Districts who said, we haven't seen a dime when it comes to the taxes that came in. And in fact, the Centennial Institute did a big study on this to look at the social costs related to marijuana. So uh, everyone's going to talk about tax revenue. We're going to get tax revenue in. Well, we're going to have to deal with the social costs of it. Uh, the fact that people are missing work now to, due to the fact that they're stoned. Uh, you talk to any contractor in the state of Colorado, it is very hard to hire people that can pass these drug tests. That's right. Um, the fact that uh, the healthcare costs, the rise in emergency rooms, the rise in people causing, calling poison control, all of this is a cost to our society. So we found out that for every $1 that we take in, we spend $4.50 mitigating the effects. Now, the marijuana industry totally responded against this and pushed back, and we would say, okay, well, what's the number? We never got a number. Yep, crickets. Uh, Crickets from them. And it's not unusual for this because there's been lots of studies that of the social cost of tobacco, the social cost of alcohol, that there are social costs that we've got to pay as a result of these drugs. And the more that we use them, the bigger the social costs that we have to deal with. And so uh, this tax revenue, how much how much of the Colorado state budget comes through all this marijuana that we're taxing? Less than 1%. And we're doing the best of all the states that have legalized marijuana. You look at Oregon, for example, it's 0.2% of their state revenues. So this has been a drop in the bucket. You know. John Hickenlooper and I disagree on a lot of things. This is one thing we agree on. He says that the tax revenue is a drop in the bucket, and he tells states don't legalize if you're doing it for the marijuana tax revenue. Completely agree with him on that front. Um, we don't make money on that in the state. It has not been kind of this, you know, uh, you know, the, the Hoover promise of a chicken in every pot. You know, it's not been a gold textbook in every desk here in Colorado. We've gotten far from that. In fact, our kids instead are dabbing marijuana at an alarming rate, vaping marijuana at an alarming rate. So we've seen more of that drug in our schools. We haven't seen a lot of the the tax money from that drug in our schools. And I think that's been one of the really biggest shames out there. But, you know, you talked about that cost report. 
excellent cost study that's used across the country. It's been cited in Congress. It's been cited in state capitals. I cite it in my testimony. Thank you for doing that great work on that. No one else has come up with an alternative study for that. Um, and we've gone to states and said, why, why can't we see the numbers? We should know the costs and the revenues and be able to make a smart decision. Uh, I have a business background and man, that's what my board would want. Talking with Luke Nifaratas of Smart Approaches to Marijuana about this drug culture in Colorado. Stick around. We've got a lot more to talk about. You're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour. We'll be right back after these messages.